Welcome to Rutten Radio. Rutten Radio is a monthly podcast we bring you the first Wednesday of the month with the Rutten Brothers, Father Paul Rutten, Pastor of Immaculate Conception Parish in Watertown, Father John Rutten, Pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, and Joe Rutten, Professor and Director of the Benedictine Institute for Leadership, Ethics, and Social Justice at Mount Marty College. Let's join them now for a little faith, family, and plenty of fun. Good morning, Rockstars! You're listening to Rutten Radio here on RPR. That's Real Presence Radio in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, and I'm joined this month by my one and only twin brother, Father John, in the studio, and by my other brother, priest, Father Paul, in Watertown, via via uh, technology, via phone. Father Paul, how are you? Doing pretty well. <laughs> Doing pretty well. Ready for all of this water to go away. Um. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's uh, slowly though. Right. Well, it's April, and so that melting process and getting rid of it and all that fun stuff is a you know it's been a rough winter. It was a rough go. A lot of water. All that fun stuff. You know, I just pray for people because I know one thing. Um, life is hard enough dealing with major things like, you know, I don't know, flooding and stuff is really rough. <laughs> it's like, I got enough things to deal with in my day. I don't need to deal yep. with my basement, but well, awesome. Father Paul, thanks for being with us and being here and it should be a fun conversation as we talk about education, education of the heart specifically. Father John, what are you up to? Well, I am enjoying... Life, uh, I would. I have a seminarian that's staying with us for a pastoral year, so uh, kind of come off an awareness that those days are kind of coming to a close, and you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, this has been kind of nice. You know, usually you're used to a summer assignment. A lot of parishes will get bigger parishes will get a summer assignment seminarian, and they come for you know the summer, but the summer is actually two months. And then they usually have a wedding they go to or they have some diocesan events. So they actually are only there about six weeks. So their summers, so they come and go. And the great thing about having Scott Miller around is that it's mm-hmm. been like a real life that we've been able to share. And over time, we get to know each other. Scott so Miller. He'll be uh, probably he, taking off here and going on to the next step. Does of he go journey. by Scotty or I um, like Scotty? It is Scott. All right. I don't, I mean, I've never. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We didn't. Anyway. We All right. haven't All shared right. that part of life yet. You know? Well, fantastic. It, it's uh, it's great to be here. And uh, he doesn't have a nephew, Vincent, that called Father Johnny. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then to see the horror on my face and to know, don't ever say that again. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. So I don't know. Maybe today when I go home, I'll be Scotty. <laughs> see what his reaction see what his face is. Yeah. Well, you can uh, listen if you're out there listening to us. Obviously, you've uh, found a means to connect um, either on your standard traditional radio, which is an outstanding opportunity to catch us as we are on the Real Presence Radio Network here. Uh, But we've got everything archived on podcasts that you can go ahead and download on the website there and uh, have available to you on your iPhone. So your your tech phone always has our stuff available to it. As we like to to know, we're sandwiched right around Father Barron and Father Schmidt. There's the Rutten Brothers iPodcast. So you can go get each month's. Here we are doing our thing. So, fellas, we've decided to mix it up here a little bit today. 
and not do a necessarily a movie review, but we, we're doing kind of a topic review based off of a panel discussion conversation that was had out in New York at a conference that you both went to. So maybe, Father Paul, you can kick it off by telling us a little bit about uh, the, the, the conference itself, and then, Father John, you can start into the uh, topic of education of the heart. Father Paul? Yeah, you know, we did, for those that listened, you remember last month, but uh, for those that are just tuning in, Father John and I, along with a handful of others, went out to New York City for a, uh, I guess we would call it a conference, but it's not really a conference. It's, uh, it's in, there's exposition, or ex- exhibits, uh, there's discussion and dialogue, there's all kinds of interaction on topics. Uh, and the topic was something to begin from or start from. Uh, and in it was a talk that we heard on education and what is at the heart of education. Uh, and it was really quite fascinating, I think, because all three of us are in education right. uh, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, and it just really opened my eyes, at least, to see kind of some of the pitfalls that we've sort of ended up in. Uh, in the education system and the way in which we educate people. Um, but the whole conference itself was a, a lot of uh, interacting with other people and discussion and, and really thinking outside the box at times. And, uh, so it was it was quite the event. Uh, hundreds, thousands. How many people are hanging out in Manhattan for this thing? I think they bill it at 10,000, but I don't know how that's counted, and right. I don't know what you would feel like, Paul. I think maybe like in a conference would be maybe a thousand to twelve hundred yeah. people at a time. You know, at a right. uh, there were probably a thousand chairs. Right. Yeah. So at this, Father John, um, is this education of the heart panel that they can uh, the listeners out there if they haven't already uh, could go back and check out on YouTube. Yeah. Either before or after they listen to the podcast. Yeah, and we can post it on the Rutten Radio Facebook page if you signed up for that, and you can see it. Uh, and to kind of give a context, we're in uh, an auditorium of you know a, a thousand seat place, and there's a upfront table with or there's a couple of chairs, and there's three people in there: a moderator, and then Archbishop uh, Christophe Pierre, the papal nuncio to the United States, um, uh, uh, John. Balsba is the president of Trinity Schools, which uh, has a connection to Minneapolis. So if you're from the Minneapolis area, you might be familiar with uh, Trinity. And uh, then there's a caller in, someone who does uh, an electronic video call who couldn't be there, uh, a professor, Stanley Hauervoss. And so there's a dialogue that goes on, and it's called The Education of the Heart. But what I think is important to recognize is these are all educators, and Immediately, that sort of strikes me is it's not as if we have three classroom teachers here or four classroom teachers. Um, And when you hear the title, The Education of the Heart, you might not be thinking classroom teachers. But in the end, we are accounting for that. So, I mean, this is people who are in charge of classrooms, education of youth. But I think immediately you see the difference in what's being proposed here is we can sort of reduce the education method down to certain things that they're already trying to open up and to say the real need of a human person is to educate their heart. And so as you um, sit and listen to this panel uh, conversation, there's two things that I found going on here that were fascinating. As you mentioned, it is about education, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can go, to college and you can get 
and education in education. Right. So there's this there's this degree, this formation, this formal practice, practice of education. And then there's this other side of things where I've lived on both. And that is more of a catechetical or a a religious or a liberal human education. What does it mean to be human? Mm -hmm. And we separate these things and we do it really, really, really well in standard public education because what it means to be a human oftentimes involves a God conversation that we no longer necessarily have within our formal public education systems. So this idea of what is an education, really, it was like, well, this is what a liberal art education is supposed to be or is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what I'm doing at Mount Marty, what we're doing at Mount Marty very much is revolves exactly around this conversation. So they're asking questions. I'm like, well, that's what we're doing. Yes. And it was like almost a realization that there's not necessarily a bringing together of two different worldviews of what education is, but a rediscovery of what the heart of education is and how is it that we um, form and train and discipline and build and uh, send people out to live in the world uh, that marries the two maybe back into more of a classical understanding of what education was versus the technocratic utilitarian form that we've arrived at today, particularly in America. I can't answer for the rest of the world. So this conversation, Father John, that they're going to have kicks off with the moderator um, and these three guests, Father Stanley Harwas, John Balsbaugh, and Archbishop Christophe Pierre. And as they do this, it really gets into uh, their first beginning with Father Giassani. So Father Giassani is maybe a guru who has passed away. That is the founder of Communion and Liberation. And they're really reflecting and and conversing about the topic based upon Father Giassani's proposal Mm -hmm. of what education is, correct? Correct, yeah. And what is Father Giassani's proposal? Is there a nutshell or a heart or, or some ideas or insights that you can give to the listening audience that would say this might be what Giassani is proposing to us, either is the problem in education or is what education is in his mind? Well, I don't want to say, I don't want to attribute it to him, but he would propose that education is the introduction of the person to reality. Um, Something about that seems so simple. I'm sure it's not his. (laughs) He's just maybe bringing it back or clarifying it or being a place to begin with that uh, we have to reconnect ourselves, the human person, the heart to what is. And that there's the thing that I would say is uniquely Father Giassani is a process by which this happens. And he would put four stages in place. He would say that a, a person must have a hypothesis, a place that they begin from. He calls tradition. Um, different than capital T tradition that we might think about, but would be sort of inclusive of that as well. But if you're a Hindu, you have to begin with being the fact that you're Hindu. If you live in Africa, you have to begin with the fact that you live in Africa. Uh, you have to begin with the things that your parents teach you, uh, to, to have a hypothesis. This is where I stand. You need mm. something solid it's a beginning. to begin from. You can't just start in a void. And you might have remembered in the dialogue, one of the things he was talking about is everything's disconnected today, that we basically uh, have no place to start. Um, and so that's the first step. The second step is in order for education to happen, there must be an educator. 
but it's not somebody necessarily that just passes on information. It's an authority. It's a person who embodies the tradition that is being passed on. And so the parent, right? The parent is the one who says, you know, you should um, eat your meals at the same time every day, you know? Well, they should be eating their meals at the same time every day. Or, you know, uh, I remember when I was in... uh, Sacred Heart in Yankton, I went in after a little while, it was new, and I in the servers would come to the sacristy and I'd hold my hand out one time to and to shake their hand and they wouldn't shake my hand anymore. They like didn't know that politeness, you know, you should shake the person's hand when they say hello and say your name. They didn't know that. Right. Well, they don't have, not only have they not had that as an, uh, something passed on to them, but they don't have anybody that witnesses that. And so you need the authority, somebody who is living the thing that's being passed on. The third thing that's necessary is that the person make a verification of their own. And he uses a great example here of the the first years, like up until maybe 12 years old, the parents, the teachers, the society, everybody fills the kid's backpack with all of this stuff. And then at a certain point, the educator's job is to put the backpack in front of them and help them open it up and take what's been given and make a judgment of their heart that this is good for me, this is true, this is right, this is this is helpful, this is reasonable. Um, and the fourth thing is, is the real difficult one, is for that to happen, it must be done in freedom. You can't force the person to like, don't you see that thing in your bag is for you? Right, <laughs> you know, right. no, no, it has to be freely like helped. And this is an increasing process. You don't just drop them into, but little by little you help them do this work. But that's a risk because they could choose not to. And so that's the four step thing that is really a gift of Father Giassani's, the risk of education of how to bring about this process of educating at the end of an epic is what the thing talks about. We're at the we're at a very significant transition in humanity. Just make a note, Willie. I'd like to follow up uh, maybe before we're done. The place of freedom in relationship to Harawas's proposal that he's not here to let kids or people decide what they're supposed to believe, but he's going to tell them. There's a piece in here somewhere about him saying, you know. I don't know that we're here just to let you all make up your mind, but like mm-hmm. I'm here to propose something to you. And I'm t- so there's anyway, that's a that's for another conversation here. So Father Paul, you have Giassani uh coming and proposing this form of education which uh has a play a beginning, a place that we start. It has an authority, a a teacher or a parent or a, a person that embodies this particular uh, hypothesis, this particular tradition, this way of living, followed by this idea that now the individual has to come to know the thing themselves, has to accept it, has to, I always say it's like you can know it but not understand it, or you can know it but not receive it. Like, do, do, do they stand in front of it and make their own judgment, and then are they freely maturing and living this thing out. When you listen to Father Giassani's proposal of what education is, what first struck you, Father Paul, that said, you know, this is important. This is different. This is uh, what, what was the thing that said, I like 
what's being said here, even if I don't totally understand it? Um, I, I guess maybe not that necessarily I like it, but that it was something I sensed even when I was in college that we had lost our way. Uh, when I was at, at SDSU, I took speech class, and you had to give a speech on a, a problem that you were going to then solve. And so I stood up in front of my teacher and said, the problem with education is we educate for a grade. Now, I'm trying to get a grade from my teacher by telling her that she shouldn't <laughs> give out grades. Mm. And, and my point to it was, no one knows what that really means that I got this grade. No one knows what work I've done or what work I didn't do. There's no way to really assess what do I know. All they know is I got a letter, and it's got a number attached to it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and thus, I learned, or I entered into education then to get a grade, not to get an education. Then I found myself, like most college students, saying, well, what's the point of this? What? Why will I ever need to know this? Blah, blah. You know, always wanting to know why are you telling me this and then realizing, well, it doesn't really matter. All I need to do is get a good grade and that I can move on. Uh, and so really for me to see, you know, uh, Father Giussani saying that that isn't the point of education, to just simply input information into adults' heads. Uh, and it was nice just to be able to see that someone else agrees uh, that they see this challenge. The problem is, how do you create a system that functions this way? Mm. Um, like, how do you do this on a mass scale? Uh, unpack everyone's backpacks and pack them back up and do all these things and, and to know if we've done a good job per se, you know, in the world that we live today. And, and so, well, I didn't have an answer either because I said the same thing. I said, the problem is there, there is no way to carry around all of my work that I've done, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, but in in light of that, what I realized Giassani would say is you do carry it around. You carry it around in your person, in the way that you interact with people, in the way in which you uh, meet circumstances, that you really do carry your education with you, in the way that you are a human being. Uh, and, and I think we've, we, we haven't really realized that, that our person is part of, of who we are and a reflection of what we've learned. So you can say that we taught our kids manners, but then every time I go to shake their hand, they don't shake my hand. Well, have we really educated them? That's really, uh, that's interesting. Uh, the movement within secular society, they, there's kind of these things that society picks up fads, traditions, movements of their own, of its own. One of them is the mindfulness movement. And as I look at the mindfulness movement, I'm like, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. This isn't something new. Like the idea of mindfulness, we might maybe use mindfulness or attentiveness or discernment, but I, I always thought there's just all these people walking around. Are they engaged with what their existences right now and their experiences right now, or how well do I do this? Am I just going from one thing to another kind of just somehow the world is pre preordained my activities. I have to get up and be to work at eight and then I'm done at five. And then like, I just kind of, and then all of a sudden one day we die at the end of this thing, or am I missing something right here? Well, th this is, this is a, a great place 
to look at it because you, the importance is to ask the question then, why is it that I want to be mindful? I think you're right. We go from one fad to the next fad to the next fad. But if we ask ourselves, why is it that I want to be mindful? Uh, that gets to something deeper in the human heart. This is the place. Why is it that I want this? Uh, can I live reasonably and say, wow, I've been doing this and now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this? Or do I just move from one to the other, right? The reason you need the tradition is because it's the place you continue to make the judgment of. But we aren't really making a judgment of the thing, mindfulness according to the deep thing. We're just doing mindfulness probably because we're looking for some sense of peace in our mind or we're we looking to belong and our friends are doing it. So we start doing it and it helps us. But if we realize that this really helps me, then can I make the judgment when I realize what does it mean that it actually doesn't hold up in front of the person I don't like, or it doesn't hold, you know, you can, I, can I see its inadequacies in a way where I need then another something that isn't just the next thing, but it's connected to the deeper thing I discovered because of attempting mindfulness. So I, I, I think I'm following. Um, what I have discovered in this lecture is that there is a whole vocabulary and terminology that is important that, that we use um, the concrete examples of how this looks and works as people are listening to us discuss and talk about judgment of the thing. What's judgment of the thing? Yeah, to, to say that mindfulness is helpful to me. That's a judgment right. of the thing. The thing is mindfulness right. and judgment is it's helpful to me. Right. And, um, and so now... Like, it when answers you, something. Right. And so, great. Well, then to make a judgment of the thing, oh, it, it isn't helpful. It doesn't stand up in front of the person I don't like. What doesn't stand mindfulness. up? Mindfulness. Mindfulness doesn't stand up in front of the thing I don't like. Uh, oh, wow. I'm doing mindfulness now. I was doing Tai Chi before. I was doing uh, right, whatever right, next. Right. Like, do I make a judgment of the thing? Do I see that it's like helpful to me? to go deeper into who I am in front of these things I do, as opposed to just moving from one thing to the next. Right. Uh, and if I do that, then I discover something more about who I am. So is there a lack of integration in life, a lack of um, becoming what it is that we're doing or like, for instance, mindfulness, you know, you talk about, um, so mindfulness you're saying potentially could be a thing that's kind of catchy and fun, but like, does it actually help me or benefit me as I encounter what they said is reality, like the mm -hmm. existence of things in front of me and before me, um, waking up and hitting snooze on the alarm, uh, being up at three o'clock because all three of the kids are in bed with me, mm -hmm. um, going to work and dealing with a boss that I love that is outstanding, like wonderful. I, I'm so fulfilled at work. Like, so that mindfulness isn't this exterior thing, but it, it becomes a part of who I am. If I'm educated, it becomes a part of who I am. And it is a tool that I use or that functions as I live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to see, you know, and it doesn't just have to be this, it could be prayer. Right. Okay. We could do anything, but the importance that I realize, uh, I'm receiving, this is one of the big, big challenges. I think I'm receiving this from someone who is supposed to be living this. 
And so do I have someone in my life that's actually living this, not just right. telling me to how to do it. The necessity that's being proposed is I know someone that's living this. And this, if you know anything about 12 step programs, this is the beauty of it is the people's hope isn't awakened because somebody gives them the book that they read. People's hope is awakened because they see someone who's living something Embodied. and you say, oh my gosh, you used to be a drunk and now you're a drunk, but you don't drink. Like what's this about? Right. And this is the difficulty I think with all of these things is do we have somebody that embodies it? Well, oftentimes the person that told us it, they're onto the next thing too. Right. <laughs> they're, they're doing the same thing. Right. So we say, well, is this really an answer to me? Or we see it on our Twitter feed or we see it on. So, so in, in this sense, modern education has become the authority figure that you speak about has become an authority figure of knowledge they might have lots of information that they can transmit to us that we can there then determine whether we can complete an assessment that we get a grade for, like Father Paul was talking about. Mm -hmm. But what's the relationship of the knowledge or the subject matter to that person in front of me? Like that person matters if they are living the mm -hmm. information that they're disseminating disseminating huh. matters deeply, yeah. but I don't know that that's where modern education's yeah. at. I think modern education is like, well, the teacher's the teacher; they have the expert knowledge, and they're just going to give us the knowledge. And can we? Well, I don't know where modern education is at. I think right. modern education is in a lot of places. I think modern education sure. is in a deep, deep search. I don't think, and by modern education, I think it's really important to say we aren't saying non-Catholic education because no, I think uh -uh. it's all. It's a, it's a uh, utilitarian education. The, the place right. I discovered it was when I too, just like Father Paul, went to, to, well, I went to seminary and I realized after a year of seminary, I was changing and it hit me. I always remembered at USD, I was like, why am I getting a liberal arts education? This doesn't make sense to me. I'm here for a business degree. Um, and it hit me and I was like, this is what the universities originally were. Oh my gosh, like, I, I, like I'm supposed to change. My right. personhood is supposed right. to change. Right. I'm supposed to l be more desirous of life and intrigued by trees and wondering about the squirrel that eats the acorn and uh, wondering about mathematics and how it, you know, makes tree leaves split or I don't know, you know. Uh, and then when I got ordained, I was reading an article. I was sent to Yankton. I was reading an article, uh, President Abbott, at USD was lamenting that he found the universities were being turned into trade schools. And this is true. I think they're either a place we go to socialize or right. they're a place we go just to get a career, right. not a place where my human person is to be educated. This is outstanding. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back into the heart of this conversation on education, education of the heart. And Paul, Father Paul, when we come back, let's have a conversation about the story about the importance and the necessity of entering into and finding our story. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Rutten Radio on the RPR Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more of the Rutten Brothers after these messages. 
Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Real Presence Live, it's Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. You're addressing critical Catholic issues in a fun way. Straight Talk is your opportunity to share questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. My question is... I have some questions about the bishop. Very good questions. Thanks for the guidance. Straight Talk, 9.30 to 10 Central, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Real Presence Live. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, first communion, and confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. This is Father Ron Huberty from the Diocese of New Ulm. I've been a priest for 28 years. I love about the priesthood is the Eucharist that is celebrated, and then from the Eucharist, how I'm able to be part of people's lives in ministering, from the birth of a child, to Holy Communion times, to marriages, through times of reconciliation and the sacrament of penance, walking with people on the journey of life. And especially, again, in those moments of illness and dying, that you can bring the presence of Christ and great hope to people in times of great difficulty. No, I have this gifted opportunity to be Christ to one another through the sacrament of holy orders. This is Margot Philbin from St. Benedict's in Duluth. This is Grace McDonough from St. Benedict's in Duluth. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now, back to more faith, family, and fun with the Rutten Brothers. Welcome back to Rutten Radio here on the Real Presence Radio Network. We're joined here on Rutten Radio with the Rutten Brothers, Father Paul, Father John, and the lowly Joe. Father Paul, we've been talking about education, education of the heart. What is education? Uh, uh, Monsignor Giassani's kind of concept or understanding of educating to reality. We've got this panel conversation that uh, we've been really talking about with uh, Stanley Harwas, John Balsbaugh, and Pierre Christoph, Archbishop uh, Christoph, about education. And, and Harwas has some fantastic stuff to say about this. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, and it is worth watching. Uh, he gives me great hope because his office is a complete disaster. <laughs> I know. Wasn't that awesome? That was uh, worth yeah, watching, just for hope. that. It's like exactly what you imagine a professor at Duke, uh, you know, just piles of books and things. And anyways, one of the things that he talks about in there that he said he's really concerned about today is we've lost our story in search of freedom, that we've sort of cut this idea that there's anything 
from the past that really has anything to do with our present. And, um, and he even said that we didn't choose the story, that we have no story. And this is destructive to the youth. Like we've sort of taken from them this idea of giving them a story to start from. They don't have one. You know, you think about even today, like people aren't proud like they used to be to be whatever they were. Like, you know, strong Irish, German, French, you know, this idea of where did I come from and how am I today? Uh, But he said something interesting that what he desires for people uh, as he educates them is that they would have a life in which they would want no other. And that idea, you know, you think about our modern culture, we're always looking at everyone else's life and wanting everyone else's life. And and really this idea of, like, do I ever wake up and say, I, I wouldn't want anyone else's life. I want mm-hmm. mine. And, and not because somehow I'm better or my life is easier, but because it's, it is my life. Like, this is the only life I can live. <laughs> uh, and when I realize that, when we help other people realize, you can't live other people's lives. You can't live your parents' life. You can't live your friend's life, your spouse's wife, life. But when you begin to live out of your life, but the fear is that somehow my life is insignificant and it's not mm. going to matter and it won't bring me happiness and all of these things. And, and this is the ultimate challenge that do we believe that, that God has created us uh, and that our life will have something worth living. Hmm. Uh, and in it, then he says, he, he gave a commencement address, and he said something interesting. He talked about the importance of truthfulness. And he said, don't lie. And then he said, the hardest place to do that is in marriage. <laughs> uh, because there can be this fear uh, that that I don't bring, that that I'm not enough, or that that whatever is true or whatever is me isn't going to be enough, and so uh, that that ability though to be honest, to be truthful, uh, and that doesn't mean that we use the truth as a, you know a battering ram and those kinds of things, but that we can be true because you can't build relationships on lies, like it doesn't work. Uh, but but we sort of do this. We prop things up, and you know, um, and and this idea of educating people to the truth, uh, and then to live out of the truth, and to be able to understand uh, the importance of that. And so, too, uh, for for our kids that that they begin to realize that the truth really is important. And our education system is, you know, in a world of hurt. You know, we we just saw a couple weeks ago the great scandal in the university systems. Wealthy people. Buying ACT scores. Right. Why? Because the ACT score is all that matters. Right. Like, if it's not the number we need, your kid doesn't get looked at. We see them fake scholarships because they're supposed to be athletes. They don't play soccer, but they're going to get on with a soccer scholarship. And, you know, because we've created this, this narrative that the only way you can get ahead is if you get to this university and get a piece of paper from the university. And that piece of paper will then be your ticket to a happy life. Right. And I'm reminded of Aristotle and I'm sure a multitude of others that would talk about kind of the four corrupting features of humanity, one of them being honor. Like, what is it about these Hollywood elites and other people of wealth that would buy, want to buy their kids into um, other prestigious schools? Uh, is it really it, two things? One, it 
you know, potentially honor to uh, greed that they want their kid to get, you know, just all these different, but, but greed, honor, uh, power and, and um, pleasure, the four corrupting influences. And I just think, wow, like that's a lot of work to go through to make sure your kid gets into Harvard. But you know, when you live in some, some worlds, whether your kid gets into Harvard or not matters in your social circle. And if it matters in your social circle, gosh, be golly, you don't want your kid at the second tier school, you know, and I even see it in athletics at Mount Marty, you know, it's like, dude, there is so much good stuff at it, but there's really a competition within athletics that says, well, what level do you play at? Are you division one, division two, NAIA? I don't, are you going to go play NBA basketball? No. So this is a great example. What are you playing basketball for? Yeah. And this is a great example of what we were saying earlier is when you really ask the question, that's making a judgment. Like, what am I looking at? What am I wanting here? Who am I? Right. And those are the questions that we have totally lost as educators, because in a way, the educator doesn't know. The parent only is going to be interested in the question if it's something that's living in them. Does the parent know who they are? Does the priest know who we are? Or is the priest just a functionary? We just go from one thing to the next thing, 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 the next thing. We just know how to, you know, but do I know who I am as a person? And. You know, if I do, it makes a huge difference on what I propose at the parish or what I encourage other people to do or how I look at things. Uh, But in the end, uh, why is it that I'm looking for this? What is it that I want out of athletics? What is it that I want for my life? Uh, And the authority is the one who can say, you know, you can choose to do that. But I'm just going to tell you, have you ever thought about the fact that when you're 40, you aren't going to be doing this? Like, what does it mean? But when you're 40, you're still probably going to be in a situation where you aren't the best. What does it mean to belong to something if you're just average? Right. What does it mean to belong to? Well, do it because you love it. Great. Then if right, you're average, right, great. Right. No problem. Like It's live funny, your life. too, because you'll find some of the best of the athletes actually get disenfranchised with the sport more than some of the lesser quality athletes. And it really comes down to sometimes the lesser quality of athlete understands better why they're doing what they're doing. Mm. And so therefore they, ha- they, they receive something from it that is truer or more honest and fulfilling to them mm. than, than that top level one that was there just for the grade mm-hmm. or just for the championship or just, you know, I went to uh yeah, anyway, this is so Father Paul in the middle of this the story. Um who who am I? So we kind of Father John had said this conversation about uh identity and who we are and and having a story. So does our does does education begin with an understanding of where we come from? Or where would you propose we start? You kind well, of gave I us mean, the it does, you have to start from somewhere. So you have to start from who are you? Like where do you come from? Like what is my identity, and I mean, you think about how crazy your culture is. Like, we have parents who want to say, I'm not going to assign a sex to my child. Oh my gosh, you know, like, they're going to completely unhinge everything. Like, I should, I should grow up with a story. Now I can decide whether I want to accept that story or not accept it as I get older, but I have to have a place to start from, and I have to have a place in which it helps me to be able then to to make that judgment, uh, and I and I think uh, John Balsbaugh had the best uh, reality when he talked about the challenge of get, uh, teaching poetry to eighth grade boys. You know, and he's like, "This is the absolute like talk about painful. 
like what eighth grade boy wants to learn about poetry? And then he realized that he, they don't understand why someone writes a poem. And so he talks about this, about going, he said, so I took the class out and we, we went out. It was in the spring and the leaves were, there were the leaves underneath where the snow was. And he said he had him crumple them up and then to gently smell the leaf and then to see well, what happens. And, and, and what, it, what it again does is it says, I can't tell you what happens. You have to tell me. And so again, what what John can do is is he can be the the you know the teacher and just say when I smell these leaves, this is what happens to me. And then he has to listen, and, and maybe you know the kid says, well, "I just smell leaves." I don't know. Okay, well, what what happens when you smell them? Uh, and then from that, now how do you explain that to someone? Like, how do you explain what happened to you? How? In the middle of the spring, you smelled something, and it took you to a place that you're not really at at this moment, but a place where you once were, an experience you once had. And so this reality of having to give people experiences before you explain something. You know, so he has, and they said, like, science, you should burn something or blow something up. <laughs> like, every science class should have an, something to see and experience. And then to say, well, why does that happen? You know? Why does the shower curtain pull in when you're in the shower with water? Well, there's a reason, you know. But if you don't ever ask the question, you don't ever wonder. Uh, so in that sense... you might wonder and wonder, is there an answer? And they, actually, there is. So I've always, in my uh, experience with education, I've always said I would take a kid that is out of control every single time over a kid that's apathetic. And apathy is like almost impossible to to educate because there's no there's no place to start. There's no flame. There's no spark. There's no. Whereas a, a raging wildfire, you can at least you get to try and contain it or tamper it or or control it or there's something there to work with. And in and, and apathy, this this kind of agnostic apathy with existence is where I've always felt saddened. Like to, to look at somebody and say, man, they, but I think it's growing apathy with life. And, and, but, but when you can connect somebody to an encounter, you know, it kind of brings us to wonder. They talk about wonder in there, but not in a way that I was expecting. Right. Mm -hmm. So I believe this, this was even balls ball as well. I think that kind of mentioned wonder being a great concept here, but not like my encounter with the grand Canyon type of wonder, but wonder that is a question, an encounter with things around us that, I don't know, trigger, that that bring about within us a question. And then the question begins this journey and search and experience. And I just thought, well, that's an interesting thing. There's so much stuff around me that I don't even pay attention to that maybe I ought to be paying attention to. Like... Where is it that uh, the smell of crumpled, crumpled up leaves brings me to? Uh, and why is that valuable? Why is that important? Where is the place in this for faith? Where is faith at in this? Where is God at in this? Where is Jesus at in this? As we talk about education, how is it that the church, how is it that a catechism teacher, 
How is it that a parent might, as a person of faith, look at what we're talking about here today and do what they do a little bit different today or tomorrow in relationship to themselves and others that they're in authority over? Father John? I um, am totally not paying attention to you. That's awesome. What are you paying attention to? <laughs> uh I'm, I sort of get lost in it all. Uh, lost in what? In the, the com- in the conversation about education, um, because it is so vast. It go and I just like get uh, disinterested. Um, its impact on religious education, the divide between you know the uh, I I always get this tension when it feels like. Um, and not that I'm saying you're doing this, but this is just where I'm at. Like the the temptation to think that we as Catholics have the answer, but it's like so deep it's in us too. Um, it's the question of reawakening, like how do you reawaken a human person? Uh, and it's everything from altar servers to university professors. Right. How do you bring people out of, uh, ideology? It just is like, Ah, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> you know, and not, so, not that. So your proposal is that maybe we want to start by thinking about our ideologies or the preconceived um, things no, that we I bring mean, into this. So if you're somebody that's in the car listening to the show, or you're at home, or wherever you're at, and you're just thinking to yourself, "All right, how can I go about this thing differently?" Based upon what I've heard here uh, today, how might a person go about this? It's a great question, and the first thing I say is be cautious of wanting an answer now. (laughs) Everyone's on this thing that we just think the answer is going to be given to us. There's a book that I can read and it's going to give me the clue. Well, I've got an amazing book, but I'm still like going through this process. How does this work and how does it apply and what do I do? Um, So be cautious of an immediate answer. But if we really are serious about this, if we realize the importance that the human person has to society, that it really is the flourishing of a society, that I want something for my own personal child, or I want something for my parish, I want something for my school. Um, So the place to begin is to realize, okay, breaks on an immediate answer. Secondly, though, do you desire something? If you really desire something, awesome, great, let's, let's do something. And then thirdly, I would say, pay attention to who's helpful to you, who seems to have a way of looking at life or doing something and sort of observe them. Awesome. So let's go back to number two. Do you desire something? What do you mean yeah. by that? Uh, do, you, do, that you, do you really want the flourishing of your child? You know, can you be honest with yourself that, wow, I really just want my kid to get a good grade. No. Oh no, no. I don't want him to get a good grade. That's kind of what I'm thinking about, but no, I want him to flourish. Great, great, great. Dude, self-deception is so oh, it's tricky. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm wonderful at it. So you know? if, like, if you can say, nope, I want, I want flourishing. If you can even see yourself doing it, the honesty, you know, Stanley right, Bauerbach, be truth, honest right? with yourself. Truthfulness. Be truthful. Okay. What I really want for them is them to be successful and happy. Right. You know, we had a witness, Joe Wirth at the parish the other uh, couple weeks ago at our women's uh, retreat night. And she was, was so honest with herself where she, she could just say things the way they were. And I think she wants something different for her children probably now than she did before, but I don't even think she knew. 
So it's not as if, but just where can you begin? Begin somewhere. And then who is helpful to you? Who seems to have? And she would say like, this person, like they're there. And we had this retreat and she talked about another woman who is retired, but teaches religious education. And she teaches, she's a person like you're excited when she comes in and volunteers and she's going to fill in at the office for a couple hours. Like, Who are these people in your life? And then pay attention to them. Uh, uh, let them teach you by the way they're doing things and living something. Um, so those are a couple of points I think that are important. And then if you really want to get to the center of like an education, then find a book and start going about it or find, find out uh, where you can begin reading and making some pathways. The uh, conversation is a panel that if you're out there listening and you just peeked in, you can watch this on YouTube. Uh, you can get it on our Rutten Radio Facebook page. It's about an hour long, and they're really conversing about uh, a text, if you will, this Monsignor Louis, Luigi Giassani, and his book is The Risk of Education, correct? How accessible is that text or is that book? Is that something that an average person would pick up and, you know, kind of go through or like a, if you, if you had to put it with a Matthew Kelly text or a uh, Thomas Aquinas, where do you find yourself in saying the risk of education is something that's readable by an average person without maybe a seminary formation? Well, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, people are smart today, right? Uh, I think, I think the biggest detriment is people expect everything to be given to them right, in a way they don't right, have to do right. work. So right. are you going to have to do work in reading it? Yes. Absolutely. Is it able to comprehend? Certainly. Some, <laughs> it's not Thomas Aquinas and right. theology in that way, but, and it has some examples and things that help you work through it. Right. You know, the example of a clock, it talks about children today. Uh, have been given the education to take all the parts a piece of the clock, but they don't have an education on how the clock gets put together. And so eventually they, they drop it all and begin to weep. And, you know, so there's examples like that. Oh, that makes sense to me. Right. Like people don't know what life is about. So they got all these segmented things, right. but they don't know what the whole is. Uh, and so they just give up. Ah, that's what's happening to kids. So, I mean, there's things like that. The only thing I find with it is it's not a book that's written the way we like books written right. from beginning to end. So there's like pieces that don't feel like one chapter might not feel like it fits with the next. Or there's some back parts that are more like question and answer kind of things. Um that are different than the way the first part of the book is written. If we were to talk about and uh, encapsulate our conversation today and the panel conversation about education of the heart, how much of this, Father John, would you say um, goes back simply to us understanding and us spending time learning about what it means to be human? what it means to be us. How much of this is like a broken, we just don't even understand who we are and we're going about doing something that isn't helpful to that process? 100%. Hmm. Interesting. 100%. Uh, the the proposal that Father Giussani is putting forward is the biggest error of modernity is we don't, we've lost our awareness of the human person. And so uh, we can educate all we want, but it's not landing on anything that it can adhere to. Right. Uh, that the human person is the place. I mean, if you even think about it all, what's the whole point of work? 
right. the human person. What's right. the whole point of um, knowledge? Well, the human person. What's the whole point of sex? The human person. What's the whole point of, uh, um, you know, what else is there in reality? So at the, like, at the know, center of education is the human person. It's the human person. Right. And in that uh, proposal, where is the, uh, where do you have or find the conversation with the spiritual reality or the divine reality? That's more than just a material or a psychological or social this is, type of a this conversation. This is where it gets beautiful because everything centers in the human person. And when you start looking at the human person, you realize like, I am somebody who is constantly in need. Right. I am somebody who is like never satisfied. Right. I am somebody like, so you see, ah, the tr like the deepest truth of me is I am like crying out constantly. Hmm. And in front of that, there's two possibilities. Squelch the cry or discover who you're crying to. Interesting. And this is the problem of modernity is we don't want to say there is someone else out there, God, or whatever sort of place you want to put in that, that there is another person that created me that is, that I'm crying for. Uh, we don't want to acknowledge the spiritual dimension that I'm made for something that's also fully spirit, or um, I don't want to be broken and empty because I'm not sure there's someone else out there. Um, but if you go down to the heart of it, I don't make myself breathe. I don't make myself think, uh, like there's, I'm not the one that decides I'm going to be awed by a beautiful sunset. Like what is the sunset? What are these things that awaken me and fill me with this peace? Like, how is it I'm made for a sunset? And when the sunset goes down, I already want to be ready for the sunrise, uh, why is it that sunrises and sunsets impact me in a certain way? Like there is something about beauty. There is something about truth. There is something about justice. Why is it I want just things in this world? Hmm. Like when I start looking at these things, we, what we do is we get into all of the issues of justice and we forget the fact that some reason I want justice. And in the end, what I, if I can say, I want justice, I'm trying to find it, but I never can. Then I realize what I really want is the just one. And so we can go beyond the dissatisfaction of the event to discover this is the purpose. This is Christ. This is, this is the God who made us, is the one who fulfills this deep need inside of me. And the only other response to that is to squelch it. And hence, modernity wants to divorce itself from needing a power, from needing God, from having God be a part of any of this. And so it's trying to lift it up. It's trying to hold it up. It's trying to buoy it. But in the end, our kids keep sinking. We keep sinking. Everyone keeps sinking. And what's the answer? To look at the, who the human person really is. Mm -hmm. Someone who is crying constantly. And to pray that we might discover who we're crying to. Well, that seems like a pretty good way to end this segment of Rutten Radio here on Real Presence Network. We're joined by Father John, Father Paul, and myself, Joe, as we talk about education, educating the heart. And maybe before uh, we just finish up with the family prayer, which, as always, you can find online, my prayer is that we seek an education in reality and an existence of what it means to be us, what it means to be human. 
my prayer is that we find our story and that in the process of discovering it, that we find a life that we want to live, our life, a life that is flourishing. Amen. Amen. Father John, would you close us with blessing and the family prayer? Our Father, we thank you for your love and for, for your many, many blessings, blessings especially for, for the precious gift of each other. Make us so understanding and patient with one another, quick, quick to, to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state in life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help, help us, us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Peace. peace. And God bless. We'll see you next month. You've been listening to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Radio. To hear today's episode again, visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and find it on the Sioux Falls podcast page. You can also find it on our app under podcasts and special events. And be sure to tune in for more Rutten Radio next month. Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Radio Network. Value Visor helps people and businesses discover, improve, and get the value from their businesses. With multi-certified valuation and mergers and acquisition advisors, they understand the complexities of valuations and negotiating in the mergers and acquisitions marketplace. For more information, you can contact Jameson Rounds, managing partner of Value Visor at 605-370-6931 or online at valuevisor.com. Real estate through Murphy Business, Dakota Lakes. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, first communion, and confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. When you learn the truth, the more you learn, the more you're able to fall in love and the more you're able to accept that love back and the more your life is transformed. And Catholic Radio really can help deepen that relationship you have with Christ. You can begin to know Him as a God, but above all, as a person and a person who loves you. He's true God and He's true man and He knows all about you and He is with you in every possible situation, no matter how trying, no matter how challenging, no matter how difficult. He's there with you, He suffers it, He experiences it, and He invites you to be with Him. And when you pray and when you uh, meditate on Him, it's not like it's 2,000 years ago. He is aware that you're with Him. He knows no time, so the divine part of Christ is definitely aware that you are there praying. And through Catholic Radio, you can learn more and more about that relationship and how close He is to you and what He is trying to share with you and how you can share with Him and how intimate that is. 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on Real Presence Live. It's Straight Talk from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. You're addressing critical Catholic issues in a fun way. Straight Talk is your opportunity to share questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. My question is... I have some questions about the bishop. Very good questions. Thanks for the guidance. Straight Talk, 9.30 to 10 Central, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Real Presence Live.